Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Andrew Joppo. He's a professor. He's also the author of a terrific book. It's called Josephus of Oz. Not on topic for today's discussion, but I think you'd enjoy it. It's called Josephus of Oz. It is December the 13th, and on this day in 2000, President, Vice President Al Gore conceded defeat to George W. Bush in his bid for the presidency following weeks of legal battles over the recounting of Florida votes. Remember those hanging chads? Well, that's what that was all about. It was a televised speech from his ceremonial office next to the White House. Gore said that while he was deeply disappointed and sharply disagreed with the Supreme Court verdict that ended his campaign, partisan rancor must now be put aside, he said. I accept the finality of the outcome, which will be ratified next Monday in the Electoral College, he said. And tonight, for the sake of our unity as people and the strength of our democracy, I offer my concession. He won the national popular vote by more than 500,000 votes, but narrowly lost Florida, given the Electoral College to Bush, 271 to 266 votes. Gore said he had telephoned Bush to offer his congratulations, honoring him for the first time with the title President-Elect. I promised that I'd call him back this time, Gore said, referring to the moment on election night when he called Bush to tell him he was going to concede, and then called him back and said, wait a minute, I'm not going to concede. Gore only hinted at what he might do in the future. I've seen America in this campaign, and I like what I see. It's worth fighting for, and that's a fight I'll never stop, said Gore. Among the friends and family besides Gore were his wife, Tipper, who now they are separated and divorced, and his running mate, uh, Senator Joseph Lieberman of Connecticut, and his wife, Hadassah. A little more than an hour later, Bush addressed the nation for the first time as president-elect, declaring that the nation must rise above a house divided. Speaking from the podium of the Texas House of Representatives, Bush devoted his speech to themes of reconciliation following one of the closest and most disputed presidential elections in U.S. history. I was not elected to serve one party, but to serve one nation, Bush said. He and his running mate, Dick Cheney, took office on January 20th, 2001, when were re-elected in 2004 over Democrats John Kerry and John Edwards. Gore has since become a foremost climate hawk. He was the creator and subject of a 2006 Academy Award-winning documentary, An Inconvenient Truth, about the climate crisis. <clears throat> Gore was awarded the Nobel Prize in 2007, the Nobel Peace Prize in 2007. Uh, Gore has uh, certainly accomplished a lot for what I consider to be a pretty lightweight guy, but nevertheless, that was the election in 2000. Well, uh, U.S. stock markets uh, closed higher by about a half a percent yesterday. All three indexes reached new intraday uh, 52-week highs. The Consumer Price Index, which measures price changes for a basket of goods and services, rose 3.1% year-over-year and 0.1% month-over-month in November. Both figures are in line with the economist's expectations. Yesterday, the Labor Department said inflation eased up last month as gas prices dropped. Eyes are now back on the Fed, with, which is widely expected to keep interest rates the same as its policy meeting today. And uh, uh, he's going to speak to us at 2.30 today. 
After months of uh, sagging consumer confidence, waning, inf- waning inflation might be making the public more optimistic about what the future holds. A recent University of Michigan survey showed that Americans have a more upbeat look outlook about the economy and their own finances compared with last month and this time last year. Cheaper oil is the short answer. Prices have been falling on lower demand for uh, China and the U.S., coupled with more supply from increased stateside production. Enhanced extraction methods are helping U.S. pump a near-record number of barrels. Plus, the Biden administration has expanded drilling permits, which could further boost American oil. But while Biden is eager to show voters that he's the ultimate inflation tamer worthy of re-election, He's mostly kept mum on his gas, you know, why gas is cheaper. Most oil drilling on the U.S. soil is at odds with the wishes of many of his echo-conscious supporters. Inflation wasn't so rosy when uh, under the hood. Prices for all goods and services, excluding volatile food and uh, fuel, grew at a, rate, a faster pace in the fall than during the summer months. Rent prices also jumped, and while fueling a car might become cheaper, buying a used car might become more expensive in November. This complicates the federal fight, inflation fight and might make it less inclined to lower interest rates anytime soon. So some good news and uh, a little con- concerns when you look under the hood. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise said the U- GOP-led chambers, uh, former President J- uh, Biden impeachment inquiry, <clears throat> Uh, will be held Wednesday. It's the form, formal impeachment inquiry will be held uh, today. Majority uh, Whip Tom Emmer and other House Republicans are trying to make the case uh, that the official inquiry is needed because the Biden administration is stonewalling the investigation into the Biden family uh, foreign business dealings. Emmer's, is, of course, from a Republican from Minnesota, said the Justice Department has refused to let some of their attorneys testify before the House. Democrats slammed the decision to have a formal uh, impeachment inquiry vote, of course. The House GOP's in, impeachment inquiry is nothing more than a political stunt to get back at Democrats and undermine the legitimacy of President Biden, said Representative Jim McGovern of uh, Massachusetts. They upset Trump uh, lost the election in 2006. 2020, but they're doing everything they can to overturn it. It's unhinged and dangerous. <clears throat> what lies? Democrats uh, winning control of the House twice held impeachment hearings on uh, then-President Trump, a Republican. Uh, there was no mention of that in their complaints. Anyhow, uh, it's pretty clear that uh, President Trump won the election in 2020. He certainly, there's enough uh evidence to demonstrate that he clearly there was a lot of maneuvering and things going on that were uh, unacceptable in, in the elections. Hopefully we'll get all that cleaned up before uh, 2024. The Israeli military has reportedly begun pumping seawater from the Mediterranean to a complex tunnel network underneath Gaza. The operation likely to take weeks is part of Israel's Efforts to destroy the roughly 300-mile-long infrastructure used by Hamas to transport supplies and personnel. Some of the 140 remaining hostages, also from October the 7th, are believed to be held in the tunnels as well. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu appear to be at odds over the future of the Gaza Strip. Netanyahu says he would not allow the Palestinian Authority to take control of Gaza after the war and acknowledge disagreement with the U.S., which seeks a two-state solution. Uh, Netanyahu uh, rejected that yesterday, saying that Gaza will neither be Hamistan or Fetistan. 
During a private event, Biden reportedly called on Israel's government to make changes to its approach to the war or risk losing international support. Separately, the 193-member U.N. General Assembly voted uh, to approve a non-binding resolution for humanitarian ceasefire. The U.S. opposed the resolution. It also vetoed a similar but legally binding resolution in the 15-member U.N. Security Council last week. I just point out that Robert Gates, the former CIA director and U.S. Secretary of Defense, once said that uh, Biden has been wrong on every major international decision. And I think this is another one where hopefully Netanyahu will ignore the recommendations coming from Biden. I don't think he speaks for the international community. I think he's on the right track to wipe out Hamas. Senate Republicans on the eve of Ukraine President Zelensky's arrival in Washington, D.C. are casting increasing doubt that they'll reach a deal unlocking aid to his country by the end of the year. Help for Ukraine is linked to talks on border deal, and senators on Monday said they were no closer to reaching an agreement on that issue, uh, which would push uh, work on the $111 billion package requested by President Biden in 2024. The package was to cover money for Ukraine, Israel, and the border to other priorities. The Senate is scheduled to leave town by the end of the week, and the House departs a day earlier, giving negotiators only days to strike a deal, something both sides uh, see as a massive, if not impossible, hill to climb, even after weekend talks. Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio said he was offended by the visit. Zelensky is parachuting into domestic political debate about prioritizing our own border. He's not here to tell us anything we haven't heard before. He's here to badger and browbeat Speaker Johnson and Senate Republicans into foregoing our negotiations on border security in order to write him another check, Vance said uh, on Steve Bannon's War Room show. So uh, <clears throat> looks like the waters are pretty tepid for Zelensky. Uh, he's uh, traveling around the globe. He doesn't want to go back to uh, Ukraine, I don't think, because right now he's at odds with his general. It makes me wonder if there's not a coup afoot, and maybe that's why Zelensky's spending extended time out of his own country. Just wondering. Well, nearly 200 countries reached an historic agreement on the COP28 COP20 that calls for a transition away from fossil fuels, which accounts for more than 75% of the global greenhouse gas emissions, which is just a joke because greenhouse gas emissions have nothing to do with the climate. But that said, not everyone is satisfied with the deal. It's a compromise, after all. But it marks the first time that a global climate agreement specifically calls to limit the use of fossil fuels. Now, instead of a phase-out or a phase-down of fossil fuels, the deal calls for transitioning away from fossil fuels in just an orderly and equitable manner. That language could give countries, of course, a little wiggle room, which is why they at least came to an agreement. That's unfortunate because this whole thing is a waste of time. As half of the people at the meeting, quite frankly, uh, believe they said that fossil fuels are here to stay. But uh, nevertheless, they reached a compromise. Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers and advocacy groups received nearly $2 billion from the federal government from 2019 to 21. Uh, The new report from the uh, Government Accountability Office showed groups that advocate legal abortion obtained at least $1.89 billion in public funds from the federal and state governments, according to the offices of Senator Marsha Blackburn. It's appalling that, uh, <clears throat> that big abortion providers are continuing to receive billions of dollars in federal taxpayer funding. Blackburn, who commissioned the report along with Smith and Re- Representative Vicki Hartzler, 
said in a statement. While small businesses struggle to make ends meet during the pandemic, Planned Parenthood illegally siphoned off $90 million for the Paycheck Protection Program, specifically designed to help mom-and-pop shops keep their doors open. So they actually took advantage of that $90 million worth. In January of last year, 142 senators and representatives signed the request for the report. So, so interesting. And then uh, Argentine President Javier Malay used his first executive action in the top office on Sunday to dramatically rearrange the federal executive branch, reducing the number of cabinet-level ministries from 18 to 9. Many of the ministries eliminated were folded into new offices, suggesting their functions will continue with a much smaller uh, office and reduced staff. Three ministries, the General Ministry, the Office of Media and Communications, and the Legal Technical Office were elevated to cabinet level. Malai put the uh, General Ministry in the hands of his sister and and campaign fixture, uh, Karina, which required the signing of a separate executive office to undo limitations on appointing family members. The president, who campaigned as a small government, anti-socialist libertarian, made the elimination of at least half of the government's top prior ministries a core campaign promise throughout 2023. In one of his most popular public appearances, he explained his plan by scratching ministries out of the large flow chart of the federal government one by one, describing many as ranging from useless to harmful. Really pulling for this guy. I hope Malai does a great job course he's going to have the deep state in argentina that of course we experience here so it's not going to be easy but really pulling for him um, argentina one time the second most uh, largest economy in the world now is just grappling with 150 percent uh, inflation and all kinds of problems so hopefully he'll make some progress this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at johnson's air conditioning naples Longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Professor Andrew Joppa, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa. He's the author of Josephus of Oz. As I mentioned earlier in the show, it's a terrific read, but off topic for today's discussion. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. As I always say, Bob, my book is off topic for any discussion. <laughs> it's really an interesting book, though. Yeah, Josephus it's of Oz. It's a perspective. There's no doubt about it, Bob. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. So uh, I always like to start our interviews by asking if you have any good news for us. Well, I'm going to start out with something I generally start out with, which is a the quote, quotation of the day. And I think this one is uh, incredibly pertinent in today's world. And that's a quotation from Voltaire, which is, Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Mm. Those who make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Now, the most obvious example of that it would be would be Hitler. But I think if we look at modern America, I think we can count uh, a, a countless number of circumstances where the people of America, especially the younger people of America, including university students, are being asked to believe in absurdities. Yeah. Now, whether or not that will extend into atrocities, maybe waits to be seen. But I do believe with what we're seeing at the universities, in many cases with the uh, calling of, of genocide for the Jews and uh, the actions in the street beyond that of, of Antifa, the violence uh, brought against many communities, damage to, uh, to public buildings, and killings in, in some of those cases, I don't think we're very far away from uh, this society, which is really creating a wealth of absurdities, including, for example, just as just one example, the uh, the unchallengeable belief in, in anthropogenic uh, climate change. I think we're on a very dangerous cusp right now, Bob, in mm. terms of that Voltaire comment. We are asking our kids and our people in general to believe in absurdities, and we are not that far away. We are already at the, at the uh, brink of that. Uh, of committing atrocities. So that's a dangerous situation I believe we're in, Bob. Absolutely. I, I, what comes to mind immediately for me is, for example, the vaccine and the pandemic, all the things we were asked to do and the, and the alignment of society and uh, p- putting on masks, having lockdowns, all these things, the absurdity of all that. 
And then how about uh, gender fluidity and all these discussions? These, this is, these are all lies, and yet there's uh, accusations of disinformation and so forth. So, so people that are actually legitimately questioning some of, this, some of these ideas are being censored and uh, silenced. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, you've, you've uh, hit on the, on the short list of the absurdities. I think we also have to note how easily these absurdities are, be, are, are accepted by those on the left. And it's yeah. becoming more and more apparent that there's almost nothing that the media on the left or media, uh, the, the politicians on the left can say that would not be taken up uh, uh, on large scale by those on the left. Bob. So uh, it's a dangerous situation. It's not far from where uh, Nazi Germany, and I don't want to cite Nazi Germany, but it does make an example in many cases uh, of exactly what was going on in Germany in 32, 33, and 34, before the essential horrors of the Holocaust uh, actually hit, starting with Kristallnacht in 1938. Uh, but I think we're looking at that same type of situation here in America. If we look at the three uh, elite university uh, presidents that appeared before Congress, uh, just absolutely amazing that they were not able to offer condemnation a condemnation of the students on their campuses who were calling for the genocide of Jews. Uh, and they said it, their remark had something to do with it being, uh, it had to discuss the context. So the question, obviously, is what is the possible context for the calling of the <laughs> genocide, the killing of an entire people by race or by religion? Uh, and yet that's what we're seeing in America. Now, one of them, thankfully, has, has resigned her position as the uh, president of the uh, University of Pennsylvania. But the, others, the other two go on as if, as if nothing happened in terms of their uh, obvious, ridiculous comments before the Congress of the United States, Bob. Well, of course, uh, the University of Pennsylvania president resigned because uh, one of the uh, uh, people who attended the University of Pennsylvania made a $100 uh, million dollar pledge and he's withdrawn his pledge because of uh, the, the statements that she made to Congress about uh, the context issues around uh, anti-Semitism. So uh, yeah, I personally believe that was all about the money. But in Gay's case, Gay, has uh, they've already cited the fact that she's plagiarized her Ph.D. thesis. And, and from, some, from Carolyn Swain, as I, as I remember. That's correct. And to me, how can, how can the fa uh, faculty actually support the fact that she, she, her, leader, her leadership and her position are illegitimate, and yet uh, Harvard has said, well, we, she, it's okay. We, we, in a sense, saying, you know, plagiarism is all right. <laughs> so, plagiarism, and you link that with her uh, inability to condemn genocide <clears throat> on our campus. Yeah. Uh, and yet, as you're, as you're pointing out very appropriately, Bob, uh, this, this president's allowed to stay in office. Now, getting back to Ph.D. dissertations, I, I believe the vast majority of them are to a certain extent, or a limited extent, let's put it, plagiarized. Uh, you know, there's the, the difference between research and plagiarization is the citation. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a very fine line in many cases, but I think many, if not most, uh, dissertations are, in fact, plagiarized. I'm not saying that as a, as a, a statement that causes us to overlook it, but they right. become more concerned with the quality of the PhDs that we're producing in this country. Bob. Well, I, I certainly, I think that's probably legitimate as well, but the point is that uh, there are certain uh, procedures to follow with regard to other people's work, and footnoting and giving credit for that uh, is is the appropriate way. Using it word for word in the actual paragraphs of, out of other people's work, that's not acceptable. Well, it's, it's, 
it's one of the great verbotens of of, of academia, uh, the the act of plagiarization. Now, as I as I take in term papers every uh, every year, every semester, you know, I am conscious of that. And when I see something that looks totally outside of a student's capability of rendering as a thought, uh, I I can go to these sources and check out plagiarization. And in many cases, I'm finding it now. Uh, my 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 problem becomes: Do I want to fail this student? Uh, give them an F when they're an A student. Through that, it's a complex situation uh, in academics for that type of problem, Bob. Incidentally, just raising the, the awareness that I think something like seventy percent of the students at Harvard get A's in their classes. <laughs> I, I remember at, at my school back in the old days, the old days being several decades ago, uh, a sociology professor gave A's to every student in the class, including ones who had never attended. Wow. Just just an amazing, amazing, just A across the board situation. Even This is almost like voting in America. You know, yeah. we're, we're the dead can vote. Uh, in, in academia, there are students who get A's who didn't attend the class. But. Yeah, well, I had a professor who actually, if, if, if you were on the hockey team, he gave you an A. You didn't have to come to class. You just had it on, on your paper. You just had to put a hockey stick. Well, I can see that. <laughs> Andy, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll, I'll be here. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 325 1041. That's 239 325 1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center is serving dinner now, Wednesdays through Saturday, 
4 to 8 p.m. The menu's just terrific. The food is great. It's great value, and uh, it's uh, informal. Just stop by Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. We continue the discussion with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank By you. By the way, this is my father's birthday. If he was still alive, 106 today. So happy birthday, Dad. Oh, well, happy birthday. Nice to remember that, Andy. So uh, we never did get to good news in the last discussion. Well, this is uh, a case of what I would call divine retribution. Um, recently, a uh, Turkish uh, parliamentarian, uh, Hassan Bit- Bitmitz, uh, had been condemning Israel strongly in the strongest and most vulgar of terms, I might add. And immediately following that speech, he suffered a serious, not fatal, so I can, I can deal with this in a little lighter fashion, uh, but not, not fatal heart attack. So uh, I, I see that perhaps as a, a, a modern case of divine retribution. So uh, in its own way, I, I think it would be seen as good news. I will see it that way. Yeah. Another is a picture that's emerging from uh, Jabalia in, uh, in Israel with the taking of many Hamas prisoners. Uh, hard to say the number. I don't think I saw the number specifically, but it was a large number of Hamas prisoners they were uh, stripped down to their to their undies uh, that was to prevent any kind of terrorist actions that would be possible if they remained fully dressed now this is an interesting subset of that story one of the uh, the national uh, security advisor of Israel said those pictures serve nobody now uh, I I disagree with that I think that uh, these are acts of humiliation I think that they they help to diminish the image of Hamas in the eyes of, of many in the, uh, in the Palestinian community. It reminds me somewhat of our failure to release pictures of the, the death of Osama bin Laden when yeah. he was uh, taken out by American special forces, that we refused to release the, the pictures because in, in that case it would uh, antagonize the, the Arab streets as they would have it. But I think these type of, of things are, are valuable to do, in a specific case, because it diminishes the image of Hamas within the mindset of the average Palestinian. And and that's an important step forward, Bob. As well as diminishes the, uh, I think, perhaps the uh, uh, commitment of other uh, Hamas members that when they see this and understand what's happening right now, of course, the leadership has been diminished and discredited as well with Hamas. Uh, I think right now Netanyahu yesterday asked uh, all uh, members of Hamas to resign or to surrender immediately because they, they don't want to have the same fate as, as other people are having right now. So I, th- I think it was a powerful... Those pictures I thought were extremely powerful. And I would guesstimate uh, the number of people in, uh, sitting there with their legs crossed and in their undies, pro- scores of them, perhaps more than 100. Yeah, look, I think you pointed out something at the very beginning of your comment, which is uh, it'll uh, diminish the potential for uh, recruiting uh, by Hamas. I yeah. think it's it's similar, but in a, in a reverse fashion, actually, of what's happening in our military. Many men, young men, are not uh, do not want to go into the American military at this point because of its wokeness and all of the variety of forms that, that are associated with that. And so they are refusing to go in because entering our military for them in their mindset 
would humiliate them. So uh, it's a comparable situation. Now, I, I think it's unfortunate, obviously, with our military, uh, not so with the, with the Hamas recruiting process in Gaza. I would agree, and I, I, quite frankly, I think that is good news as well, Andy. Any other good news? Just one, and it's, it's actually a Photoshop that I saw. I, I had uh, made a trip to, uh, to Auschwitz back in 2002, and uh, many of your uh, listeners may know that uh, on the entrance gate to Auschwitz, there is a large sign over that entrance gate which says, Our bike our bike mock fry, which means work makes you free. Now, in the Photoshop, they had put, uh, replaced those, those words with, It depends on the context. So I, I just thought that, that that was clearly spelling out the absurdity of the, uh, the Ivy League president, uh, president saying that, all of them, almost as if rehearsed, uh, and they're replacing that, uh, showing that same circumstance as it would have been absurd uh, over the gateway to Auschwitz, Bob. You know, it's it, uh, just to underscore the whole, the point that you're making. You know, the this whole this whole experience diminishes the uh, the quality or the the image of Harvard, UPenn, uh, MIT. I mean, uh, I would no more send my son or daughter to those schools, uh, and quite frankly, to to most schools, quite frankly, because of the wokeness that's going on. I mean, I totally agree, and you know, but. And, and again, and the, and the bottom line for these people is not the education of their children. It never has been because the education at Harvard is is not superior to the high-level B schools or uh, B universities around the nation. It's been when you leave there, you, you leave, first of all, just with the credential. I yeah. am a Harvard graduate. The second thing is the people you sit alongside in your class. You can presume many of them are going to be uh, prestigious impact people in the society, so you gain by that association. So I think the 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 element of education has almost been secondary uh, to the reason why people pay seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year to send their kids there. Yeah, Not for point. the education, but for the impact that that school's name and its associated people uh, will make on their kids in the future, Bob. Well, I think that uh, image has been uh, diminished and tarnished somewhat as a result of what's happened in the last couple of years. There's there's no doubt, and let's hope that continues. I think we had mentioned last week that many law firms are refusing to accept some of the uh, the graduates coming out of these law schools, Yale particularly, uh, where the students have been advocating the genocide of uh, of Jews as a result of the October 7th incursion, Bob. Yeah, so uh, I would be interested if you have comments directly on anti-Semitism as we've experienced here in the last couple of weeks. Well, I have written on anti-Semitism for a long time. I pioneered a course at my university uh, on the Holocaust. Um, uh, The point I was going to make today with you is, and this is not offering a condemnation uh, out of hand for, for Christianity or for Islam, and yet if we look at much of the origins of today's anti-Semitism, it certainly can be found uh, in the early uh, years of Christianity uh, and extended through the, the Middle Ages, the Crusades, uh, the, the blood libel of the Jews. It can be extended into the uh, uh, writings, in many cases, of Martin Luther, who was a profound anti-Semite. So I think we can see within the early years of Christianity, when they tried to attack what at that point was a competing Jewish sect. You had the mainline Judaism, and then you had the Jewish sect of, of Christianity. And there was a significant amount of, of, of anti-Jewish rhetoric at that point, including creating 
the concept of the Jews being the Christ killer, which is one that is still maintained across wide uh, areas of the Christian world. Uh, in Islam, it has been a profound part of their, uh, of their dogma. Now, one thing that's left out of uh, interpretation of Islamic writings is the concept of abrogation. And here's what I mean, Bob. Uh, in the early years of uh, Muhammad's uh, uh, actions, uh, he did those in Mecca. At that point, he was trying to persuade, persuade, in, in most cases, uh, the Jewish populations of of Mecca as to the appropriateness of the uh, the call for Islam. Uh, at when he made his trip to Medina, at that point he became a warlord, and at that time the uh, the writings of Islam uh, and the actions taken by Muhammad were dramatically anti-Semitic. Now, many point out that there are good words written about the Jews in the Koran and, and the Hadith. Those were all abrogated. Abrogated means the later writings replace the earlier ones. Mm. So there are, there are profound writings that are, that exist as the primary writings of Islam uh, that are significantly anti-Semitic. Uh, anti, uh, uh, now, my point would be with all of this, Bob, and I think it's an important point that we have to look at right now, uh, is, the, uh, is the, the obligation of Christianity, of Islam, to stand up and be counted as it pertains to uh, to the anti-Semitic renderings that are happening right now uh, worldwide in America, in Europe particularly. Uh, and yet I have not seen, uh, as a united uh, group, Christianity or Islam doing anything of, these, of the sort. And I think it's an important thing that has to happen now. I, I'm not optimistic it will. Uh, and again, I'm not condemning Christianity or Islam out of hand. What I am saying that there is a strong link between the histories of Christianity and Islam pertaining to uh, to anti-Semitic writings. So um, that would be my a point I would make on uh, anti-Semitism today. I had published a, uh, a guest commentary here in, in Naples uh, on that about 10 years ago, as a matter of fact, and it was called The New Anti-Semitism. And at that point, 10 years ago, I was writing about exactly what we're seeing right now, Bob. So uh, this was not something that could have that was hidden. That was uh, something that could not be identified uh, because I identified it ten years ago. So uh, well, I'm really making the point. If I did, it was certainly there to be seen. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a horrible concept. It's one of these. If we get back to the Voltaire comment, it's one of these absurdities that could certainly lead to atrocities, uh, as it did in in uh, in Nazi Germany. I'm not predicting a Holocaust, and yet that is not something that is impossible given the given the situation that we're in right now. It would have been impossible to predict the Holocaust in Nazi Germany in 1933, yeah. and yet it happened. So you know, I I don't want to become uh, a pessimistic on that. I am not. I'm not predicting it, but I am suggesting that the world we've created in America and in Europe is certainly one that uh, that makes these potentials available for the future, Bob. Absolutely, Andy. I, I, and uh, great commentary. I'll point out that uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser is going to be on the show tomorrow. He's a Muslim who uh, is calling for the separation of church and state. He's the founder of... Uh, the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. So he'll make some interesting comments about that as well. And you need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets to some outstanding performances coming up. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. And so uh, uh, there's some news in the about elections. About 20% of 2020 voters now claim they took advantage of election laws loosened up because of the coronavirus crisis and to commit fraud, including filling out ballots for others. Uh, shocking information that there's more and more evidence that there is fraud within our elections. I wonder. If I, you- I had read those statistics. They are they are alarming across the board in terms of the numbers of people during a uh, a privy poll uh, that uh, that was taken, and uh, the numbers twenty twenty five percent for some of the questions pertaining uh, to did they in any way uh, submit a fraudulent ballot in twenty twenty. Numbers are high. Those are huge numbers that uh, certainly could indicate in themselves right. uh, the potential, the strong potential that the 2020 election was rigged. Well, let me get back to that in a second. I, I do want to get to an issue that your audience may not appreciate uh, it, its importance, uh, but I think when you have the most likely cause of death 
of, of young people in this country, those under, under the age of 19, you're looking at an issue that should be discussed and should be addressed. Now, here's the basic point, Bob. Worldwide, deaths uh, from auto accidents have dropped precipitously uh, over the past decade. In fact, if the United States had the same level of decline in auto deaths, 25,000 less Americans would die each year. Hmm. So the point, the point I'm going to make about this, this is an American problem. This is a problem that primarily affects Americans. And if we get the focus on it, the focus seems to be almost entirely the amount of texting while driving that goes on with those people in that age category. As it stands right now, Bob, 11 teenage deaths occur every day, every day uh, for highway uh, fatalities associated with either texting or searching uh, on their on their cell phone while driving. Twenty five percent of all car accidents are caused by texting while driving. So we're looking at a circumstance that that kills uh, an enormous number of of teenagers every year far more every year than have been killed in the entirety of school shootings in the entire history of that of that horrible process. Each year, more die in, in car accidents because of, of texting while driving. Now, as to why this is an American phenomenon, uh, I think it reflects in the uh, in the attitude across the board in America that you, you can't suppress a person's freedom of choice and all of these fallacious concepts, because this is a circumstance that is equivalent, equivalent to drunk driving. Actually, as it's been measured, Bob, uh, driving uh, while texting or driving while searching on your phone is far more dangerous than being a drunk driver to give your uh, give your audience some appreciation of how serious this this issue is so and nothing is being done and nothing is even being hinted at being done uh taking away the cell phones making the use of uh, cell phones while driving in some states that is illegal it does not stop our teenagers who have an attitude about their actions that that no one has the right to suppress their actions even when it, when it creates the immediate potential of their own demise and those in other cars that they may they may accidentally hit uh, hit on the way uh, uh, on their way of their destination. So we're looking at a serious problem, one that's not being addressed. Uh, I would like it to become more focused on by our politicians. I'm not sure exactly what it can be done, what can be done, but if we look at Europe and if we look at any place in the world, traffic deaths are going down dramatically, except in this country, Bob, and that. That particular element has to be examined, Bob. That's a, so interesting, Andy. And now I happen to know that uh, texting while driving is illegal here in the state of Florida. I wonder if the numbers in, in Florida differ from other states because uh, we have taken action. I don't know if it's the deterrent or, or whether people are ignoring that law. But nevertheless, if you have an accident and it turns out that you've I mean, clearly there's evidence there that you, the timing, you know, that somebody was on their phone or texting while driving. Uh, that increases the penalty. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that, and I'd like to look at the specific sta- uh, uh, sp- uh, statistics for those states that do have uh, strong enforcement provisions in their law for that. Um, I, 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 I'm going to, before I even get that number, I'm going to be dubious that it will produce any significant yeah. variance. Uh, I think uh, one of the points I would make about why uh, in America, I think it's because our teenagers have been given uh, not liberty, not freedom, but license. And I think that license, the license to do whatever they want, uh, 
yeah. has extended into the violation of the laws in many states about texting while driving or, or searching while driving. So, you know, I, I have to check that out. I think it's an interesting thing to look at, Bob. Absolutely. And I will say that I used to ride my bike 6,000 miles a year uh, I, for exercise and for just the opportunity to be outside and so forth. It was a wonderful experience. I stopped that now because of people texting and distracted drivers. Quite frankly, I think you take your life in your hands uh, when you're, when you're uh, riding a bike these days. Well, I think 6,000 miles would have taken you where? To Iran? <laughs> I don't oh, know. I get it. You were, you were not going. I was riding in circles there. <laughs> I, I don't want to make fun of this very serious issue, and I'm not. Uh, uh, no, of course you're not. But I, I, I really want the politicians to pick up on this in some way and, and uh, interfere with anything that's killing that many young people. 11 a day. 11 each and every day, Bob. Andy, need to take another break and you stick around? I'll be here. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies when they go into office. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the discussion with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. <clears throat> again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob, again. So let's get back to elections and election fixes and fraud and so forth. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's the most critical issue facing us as we go into 2024. 
<clears throat> and one that is to the largest extent being ignored. Uh, first of all, just for your audience, I mean, we, we, we can identify that election fraud is, has a long history in America. Perhaps the one most pertinent in my lifetime was the election fraud for the JFK election in 1960. They found voting machines at the lake outside of Chicago uh, as a result of, of actions uh, being taken at that point. Nixon, I think, took exactly the wrong approach. He, uh, he accepted his defeat, even though he clearly recognized that the vote uh, had been illegal in, in, in the state that actually gave JFK the election, Illinois, uh, and he ignored it. Uh, so we're, we're somewhat in a, in a comparable situation right now. Uh, I am, I, I think, uh, makes me feel more optimistic. I, I've been reading some authors uh, on this topic. Uh, for example, here's one that said they are definitely planning to steal 2024. If they needed voter approval, Biden would be gone in a second. They are signaling they don't want or need voter approval, just like 2020. Uh, so, again, that's a, a comment that I'm seeing of a, of a sort. Uh, another commentary said, the fix is in. We have just begin, begun to imagine the new ways in 2024 it could be stolen. Huh. So the point I'm making is that there's a long history of fraud, so it's not something that's, uh, that's uh, an absurd topic. Uh, uh, it's, it, it's obviously has a long-term historical validity. Uh, we can look right now at the, uh, the information coming out of 2020. Uh, for example, Bob, if there were no mail-in ballots on Election Day in 2020, if no mail-in ballots were counted without having an envelope, if no mail-in ballots were counted with none or incorrect date, those three things alone, 7 million votes would have been eliminated or changed in the 2020 election, just considering those three factors. Huh. So we're looking at identifiable causes uh, of election fraud. The major one categorically is to make voting easier. Now, I don't particularly have any interest in making voting any easier than it's already become. We've extended uh, the day of voting for, for a month in some cases, if not longer. Uh, we look at all of these other variety of voting forms to make it easier, and essentially all of those, I think, exist for one reason and one reason only, and that's to create greater potential or ease of creating fraudulent votes. Now, I've made the point last week uh, on your show, I believe, and I'll make it again. The only reason Joe Biden will be the nominee in 2024 by the Democrats is because they believe, they know that the fix is already in. I believe they knew it in 2020, uh, because that's why Joe Biden just sat in his basement uh, almost motionless for the entire campaign. And I think we'll see, if we see that same thing again, I think we can see the handwriting on the wall. The election fix is in, Bob. We got to do something about these machines. I think uh, uh, Mike Lindell is right in uh, trying to eliminate machines. Well, they don't need them in France. They don't need them around the world in many places. They don't use them, and they have election results the afternoon or the evening of the election. Here, we sometimes take as long as two, th two three weeks in Arizona, a month, in order to get election results. That's absurd, and it just, I think, more evidence that the fix is in. Well, even, even some of uh, second-level countries. For example, I think we talked last week about uh, in the Argentinian election, the, the vote count was in uh, by midnight on the day of the vote. Yeah. Now, there's absolutely no reason why we should get this extended, laborious process. And I do believe whenever we see it, its cause is only one cause. That cause is the, uh, the creating the greater ability uh, of, of creating voter fraud. Uh, I think if we look even and extend that to voter ID, 
the, those that protest loudly against it. There is no reason why a voter ID should not be required. Absolutely none. And yet it is, it is dramatically resisted by those on the left. And I think that statement in itself indicates that there, there is vo- uh, voter fraud that is being generated as the failure to identify identify who the voter is at the moment of casting their ballot. Box. It's just absurd, quite frankly. And you think about the uh, Trump derangement syndrome, what's going on. People justify cheating and, the, and what they're doing because of uh, Donald Trump and, uh, you know, and make accusations. He's the antithesis of Hitler, and yet they're calling him a dictator. Well, it's another example of a, of a sort where if you can get people to believe absurdities, they're capable of great atrocities. Now, uh, allowing or creating voter fraud is not in the atrocity category, I, I would presume. But on the other hand, if we're looking at people that have been taught to believe that Hitler is the, is the, he's the modern Hitler, uh, and as you indicated and I recently wrote, uh, he is the antithesis uh, of Hitler. Everything he's done, he doesn't have the support of the media. He doesn't have the support of the national police force. He doesn't have the support. He didn't have the support of the army. Uh, none of the characteristics that would have been associated with Hitler's dictatorial rule of Germany was true in the case of Donald Trump. And yet, the left makes this point consistently that hit, that uh, Trump is Hitlerian. And as you indicated, the word, the right word, he is the antithesis, the opposite of what Hitler was in Nazi Germany, Bob. So uh, I think some states have made uh, great, uh, taken great measures to clean up their elections. Many have not. I just read that uh, uh, the voter rolls in Washington, D.C. have been cleaned up and eliminated quite a few dead people and so forth. So uh, there are some efforts, but I'll, it makes me wonder, are we doing enough? Bob, I'll, I'll just make a simple point. I know if the Democrats can cheat, they will cheat. Yeah. I, I made a, uh, I created a quotation in one of my recent uh, essays where I said, for, for the Democrats, today's lie is always better than tomorrow's truth. And what I, what I meant by that is the Democrats know if they can lie their way through an election victory, they don't care what happens in the future about exposing that. They know once it's a done deal it will be a done deal. And I think that's how the Democrats function. They don't care about the, uh, the distortions they, they introduce into our voting system today. They know if it's counted, regardless of how illegal, and they win, that win will stay fixed. Just as we saw with Joe Biden in 2020, yeah. the majority of Americans believe that election was fraudulent, and yet it stands in place, and it has been one of the most detrimental things that ever happened to this country, Bob. Right, and uh, what's going on right now? Benefits, you know, I can't think of one group that benefits from the policies that Biden has put in place, and yet uh, he continues to, uh, you know, demonstrate confidence that somehow, some way, he's going to be competitive in this election. So it's not the will of the people right now, and we need to get our country back. Uh, and, well, and before we run out of time, I mean, Zelensky was in the, uh, in, in the White House yesterday, and uh, being uh, both him and Biden were being asked a question about what what is their plan? What is the destination of the United States aid? What is the uh, the future uh, that Zelensky would project? And they have none. There's no plan. There's no real uh, destination for any of this. Uh, apparently, it's just a matter of the indiscriminate slaughter of Ukrainians and Russians, uh, with the United States uh, arms being the primary facilitator for, for Ukraine, without any real destination uh, of peace, let's say, called, that would be the legitimate destination, without any destination of peace even being suggested, Bob. 
Absolutely. Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Office. Andy's always giving us great commentary on our culture and politics. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'll see you today, Bob. I'll look forward to it. Nice breakfast coming up. By the way, I said uh, tomorrow we will have uh, uh, Zudi Josser on the show, Dr. Zudi Josser. He's actually going to be on Friday. Tomorrow we've got some terrific guests lined up, including Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, and Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. And I really appreciate your listening to the show. If you like the show, I hope you pass the word on to your friends. Uh, that's one of the ways that we build our audience and, uh, quite frankly, uh, reward our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I really appreciate you tuning in, and I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.